That just makes me want to preach about Christmas. I think I will. I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bibles with you, I've got mine. Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be up on the screen. I'm reading out of the um, New Living Translation. The New Living Translation said it a little bit differently, a little bit more succinctly. So I chose that one for the text. And so let's go. Now we're jumping into the Christmas story, at least a part of it. And it says, at that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. Verse 2, this was the first census taken from Quirinius, or when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. Now I want you to note how God is sovereignly getting all the, the players in place. Because the prophet Micah had predicted that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. But I want you to notice how God got Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem so the child would be born there. He did it using the government. That's free. I just want you to notice that. So God's in charge of your steps no matter what. Amen? Then he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee Oh, I'm sorry, verse 4, because Joseph was the son of King David. Yes, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. Then, verse 5, he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. Prophetic fulfillment, right there, Micah 5, 2. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, which was a feeding trough. A, a cattle or a, an animal feeding trough is what it was because there was no lodging available for them. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you that we see the hand of God moving in history. Thank you, Lord, that we see you moving through people who didn't believe in you, yet you moved through them to bring about your plan. And Lord, I just pray that you'll help us to see today the incredible gift that Jesus was. In your mighty name, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, God can even use the government. All right. <laughs> I didn't plan on going there at all. That just kind of popped into my head when I was reading it. Now, th this week our doorbell rang and I went to the door and I looked out in time to see uh, the familiar uniform of a UPS guy walking away from the front porch and walking to his great big truck. And so I knew something was on the front porch. So I opened the door, and there was a mysterious gift. Now, when I looked at it, I thought two things. I thought two questions that we always ask regarding any gift that's handed to us, especially that way. Who sent it? And what's in it? Who sent it? And what's in it? How many of you think those two questions when a gift comes? Who sent it? 
especially if it comes that way, who's it from and what is in it? What is it? Well, we read a story just now of the baby Jesus being born. Turned out my gift on the front porch was a wonderful gift from a distant relative fairly far away. But in the account we just read of the baby Jesus' birth, uh, we find that he arrived also like a mysterious gift. Most anybody, nobody in Bethlehem knew who he was. And God appeared to some shepherds who were nearby watching over their flocks by night. We know the story. And suddenly they're sitting there just minding their own business, doing their own thing. And um, suddenly the sky lit up. Can you imagine it? The sky lit up with supernatural glory. It was not a normal light. It was supernatural. And, and an angel appeared. And the first thing the angel said to them was, don't be afraid. Because most of the time when an angel shows up, you're in trouble. It means judgment. But here he immediately said to them, and he said the same thing to Mary, don't be afraid when Gabriel appeared to her. But this wasn't Gabriel, this was another angel. And he says, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, stop and think a minute. These, these shepherds are just shepherds. They're blue-collar workers of that day. They've just been sitting there doing their normal thing, and the sky lights up with supernatural glory, and an angel appears and tells them something about a baby. The strangest message, if you kind of put yourself in their sandals, it was the strangest message to hear. Because here's a baby? What are you saying, a baby? What are you talking about? And it was a very, very unusual message to come from a celestial being from another place entirely. And so as I did with the gift that appeared on my front porch, I guarantee you they had two questions. Well, well who, who sent him or who sent the baby and what does he mean? What, 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 what is in this gift? What is he about? Who sent him and what is he, what is he about? They were, they were flabbergasted. Talk about your typical day at work being interrupted by a major event. So they dropped everything, and they headed straight for the manger scene, and they found him, and they looked down on this baby, and they were thinking, I guarantee you, what is he about, and who sent him? What does all this mean? And so I, I want to answer two questions the entire world ought to want to be asking, and, and I hope a lot of people hear this on radio around the United States of America, on the internet. Because I want to ask the world these two questions. I want you to ask these two questions. Everyone, ask these two questions. Who sent the baby? And what is in him? That is, what's this gift about? Who sent him? Who sent Jesus? Was he just a normal baby? Is this a myth? Is this a fable? Is this just a cool story from the first century? Uh that people love to turn to at this time of the year? What is he about? Where did Jesus come from? Literally, where did the gift come from? Who sent him? I want to see the, I want to see the return address. I want to see the return address. 
What is in the upper left of this package? I want to see the return address. Who sent him? Well, as I told you, I discovered that my gift had come from pretty far away uh, from a distant relative. But the gift of Jesus came from way further away, came from a place called heaven, from the very hand of God who made everything. Who's, who's, the, who's the sender? Who's in the upper left of the package? God. Address heaven. That's who sent him. He came from heaven. The gift of Jesus came from somebody much further away than my distant relative and came from very, very God himself who made everything we taste, touch, hear, smell, and feel. It came from God. He came from God. He came from God. You see, when you, when you read the Bible, you see that the plan, now I'm going to blow you away here. I want you to think about what I'm about to read because this is profound, truly profound. This is one of those pretzel, turn your, your thoughts, your brain into a pretzel if you really think about this. See, the plan to send the gift, the plan to send the capital G gift began before anything else ever began. The Bible says the plan to send the gift to you and me to the front porch of humanity, the gift to send, or the, the, the plan to send the gift began, was hatched, was decided before anything began, before the world even started. Second Timothy 1 9, it is he who saved us and he who chose us for his holy work. Not because we deserved it, but because that was, listen to this, his plan long before the world began to show his love and kindness to us through Christ. So the plan, everybody say the plan, to send, say it with me, the gift was decided long before God said, let there be light, let there be land. Let there be the sun and the moon and the stars before he scooped out clay and made human beings. Before any of that, the plan to send the gift was decided because God knew that we were going to fall into sin. He knew. He didn't say, can you believe Adam did that? He knew Adam was going to do it. So the plan to send the gift began before the world began. Amen. Say, that's heavy. Then we read that in the ancient Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve had fallen and they were hiding from God and wondering, you know, what's going to become of us, and they knew they had blown it completely, God appeared, and God passed out judgment on each of the three, Adam and Eve and the devil. But he said to the devil, he revealed to Satan and to the first couple his plan for the gift to be sent. He said in Genesis 3.15, which is called the John 3.16 of the Old Testament, Genesis 3.15, I will cause hostility between you and the woman, talking to the devil now, and between your offspring and her offspring, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Now that's the first prophecy in the entire word of God. And what was the first prophecy in the entire word of God about? The first thing God predicted for the future that hadn't happened yet was that he was going to send someone who was going to deal a death blow to the devil. He was going to send someone who was going to strike his head. The phrase strike, striking the head depicts a death blow, 
something that ends that creature or that person. He said, I'm going to send someone through the seed of the woman who is going to strike your head, devil, and put an end to you. And so now we see the plan for the gift to be sent is now being predicted by God in the Bible in Genesis 3.15. The striking of the heel, and you will, he says to the devil, you will strike his heel, seems to point to Jesus' heel being pierced at the crucifixion. When you strike his heel at the crucifixion, he's going to strike your head because you're going to be shedding his innocent blood, and his innocent blood is going to deal you a death blow. So when you strike his heel, he's going to turn around and strike your head. Amen. And so we begin to see in Genesis 3.15, in the ancient dawn of time, in the ancient Garden of Eden, we begin to see the plan to send the gift unfold. And, And as you read the Old Testament, all the Old Testament is is a continual unfolding and unveiling of the various steps God is taking to bring about the sending of the gift. So when you come to Genesis 12, verse 1, We find God calling a man named Abram out of a heathen culture, and he makes a promise to this man, Abram. He said, I'm going to make you a great nation, and I'm going to make your name great. But watch this. He also said, through you, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. All the families of the earth are going to be blessed because, Abram, out of your descendants, I'm going to send the gift that has been planned before the world began. But with the call of Abram, we're seeing the plan begin to unfold as God chooses Abram and the people through whom the gift is going to come. And that was the Hebrew people. And the Hebrew people, Abram was the first Hebrew, the first Jew. He said, out of your descendants, now I'm choosing the line. Now I'm choosing the conduit through whom the gift is going to come. So he says to Abraham, through you, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed, and through your descendants, I'm going to bring the gift, the Messiah, the Redeemer, the promised one that has been planned before the world ever began. Wow. So Genesis 12.1 is a huge defining moment in the Bible. Because now what God promised in Genesis 3.15, he's chosen the race through whom he will make it happen. And as the Bible continued to unfold, God's plan for the gift's arrival, we find greater specificity. He chose the lineage of David and the tribe of Judah to be the precise conduits through which the gift would arrive. He said he's going to come through the Hebrew people. But then I'm going to tell you he's also going to come when the Hebrew people, when they have 12 tribes, I've already picked one, and it's going to be the tribe of Judah, and he's going to come through Judah, and he's going to come through David's descendants. Listen to what Isaiah 9, 7 says, his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor, David, for all eternity. So God promised David. He said, I guarantee you, I'm going to bring one that's going to sit on your throne, and it's going to last forever. 
Well, the only way, as I said last week, you can have a forever throne is you've got to have a forever person sitting on that throne. Amen? So God chose the lineage of David, and God chose the tribe of Judah. So once again, the, the, the plan to bring forth the gift of the Messiah takes another step forward. Now, it's going to be the Hebrews, it's going to be through Judah, and it's going to be through the descendants of David. Listen to what he said about the tribe of Judah. I love this. This scepter of royalty shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until Shiloh, the Messiah, the peaceful one, comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. So right there, it is predicted the Messiah, the peaceful one, the Redeemer, is going to come through David's descendants and through the tribe of Judah. The plan hatched before time began that God predicted in Genesis 3.15 is now unfolding. It'll come through the Hebrew race. It'll come through David's descendants. He will come through the tribe of Judah. So from before time began, the gift of Jesus came from God who beautifully worked out his plan step by step, year by year, age by age. He foretold it in the garden. Abraham's descendants would be the conduit. The line of David and the tribe of Judah, the more specific conduits. And finally, he chose Mary, a direct descendant of David and of the tribe of Judah. Mary was a direct descendant of David, and she was in and of and from the tribe of Judah. The plan to send the gift was from God. And when the little baby was born in Bethlehem, he was born in the right place at the right time from the right tribe and the right descendant, just like God had said. God doesn't make mistakes. Amen? So we know he came from God. Jesus came from God. Now, the second question we always wonder about any gift is, what is it? What in the gift? What's in the gift wrap package? What is it? What, what has been sent to me? This wonderful person, God sent me a gift. What's in the gift? What is the gift? Well, The Bible is crystal clear about the contents of the gift that he sent. We should mention right off the bat that Paul the Apostle said, the gift that God sent has left me speechless. Can you imagine Paul the Apostle being speechless? But he said, the gift that has been sent has left me speechless. He says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So the first thing we want to see about the gift is it's indescribable. Now, Paul was a genius. He was a wordsmith. But when Paul thought about the gift of Jesus Christ, he he was speechless. Have you ever received a gift? Seriously, if you think back, have you ever received a gift that left you speechless? You, you, you couldn't believe that somebody gave it to you. It was it, they had your number. They knew what you would want. They they knew what would bless you and bless your socks off. They knew uh, what would mean everything to you. And you never knew that it was coming. You never knew that it was being prepared. You never knew it was being purchased. And you opened this gift, and it was so amazing, so fantastic, so spectacular, you were dumbstruck and didn't know what to say. A lot of you are going, 
Not me, Pastor Jeff, never. Let me tell you something. I have, when I was a little bitty kid, my dad, we lived in New York, and we had a cellar. I've told you this story, but I'll tell you again real quick. We, we, we had a cellar, because all the houses in New York have cellars. And we had a cellar, and that had become my little toy room. Well, uh, as Christmas rolled around, I was about five years old. I, I can remember back now. I can look back, and, and I remember my parents not letting me go into the cellar for a few weeks before Christmas, and I couldn't understand why. They told me some reason. They, they lied to me <clears throat> why I couldn't go in there. And so Christmas rolled around, and I was big on Christmas. I love Christmas. And um, so I was the first one downstairs. We had an upstairs, we had a first floor, and we had a cellar. I came downstairs, and I tore into that tree. I tore into those packages. I was so excited to open up all the packages. But then my mom and dad said, Jeffrey, come with me. And they took me to the door that led down into the basement. And they said, come on. And they, they opened the door. And they said, turn on the light. And I turned on the light. And when I turned on the light, woo, woo, this train, a Lionel train, it was on a huge piece of plywood, mountains, valleys, cows, people. Smoke was coming out of the locomotive from a little pill you dropped down into it. And that, that train started chugging through the little, over the little bridges and through the mountains that had openings in them, a tunnel, and come out on the other side and up hills and down hills and all around. And, and it started when I turned on the electricity, when I turned on the light. And my dad had been down there for weeks putting this together, and I knew nothing about it. And when I saw it, I was absolutely speechless. It was indescribable. And what the Bible wants us to know is, while we were in the dark, well, we didn't know what God was doing. He was preparing something. He was preparing a gift that once he sent it, it's absolutely indescribable. It takes your words away. And that's Jesus Christ. Can we give him a hand today? Everybody say indescribable. Try it again. Indescribable. The, the gift is so overwhelming, so powerful, so wonderful, so spectacular, so unbelievable. We are speechless. And if Paul was speechless, I guarantee you we are. Amen? Well, what is so indescribable about it? Why is the gift of Jesus Christ, why did Paul look at it and say, this is so incredible, I don't have words. I am speechless. Well, let me tell you a few reasons, and I'll close. First, he gave it not to those that loved him, but to his enemies. That's why it's so indescribable, because we're receiving a gift from someone that we were hostile to. Now, let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible describes you and me, every human being on the planet, this way. You were once far away from God. I'm reading out of Colossians 1.21. You were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Listen to those descriptions. Far away, enemies, separated. Far away, enemies, separated. We weren't near God. We weren't kind of near God. We weren't somewhere in the vicinity of God. No, we were far away. We were separated. There was a great wall between us and God. And not only that, 
but we were enemies of God. We were the enemies of God. Now, we may not like to admit it, and some of you would even deny it, and people watching or listening by radio right now will say, not me. I love God. I've always loved God. No, you haven't. Before you knew Jesus, you did not love God. No, you did not love God. Let God be true and every man a liar. You may think you love God, but you love a God that you have made up. You don't love the real God until you know Jesus. You don't love him. You can only love a God that you have concocted in your own imagination. You can love that God because that God came from you. But the God that created all things, you don't love him until you know Jesus. Oh, no. We don't like to admit it. We'll deny it. But the Bible says that before our salvation, we were openly hostile to God by our lifestyle of sin and rebellion. We were the enemies of God. We were hostile to God, the real God, creator God. The God that sent his only begotten son. We were hostile. We lived a life of sin. We lived a life of rebellion. We were in revolt against him. That's the truth. That's the way we were. And until you come to Jesus and get saved, that's the way you are. That's what the Bible says. But here's the indescribable thing. He sent the gift anyway. He sent the gift anyway. That makes it indescribable. Can you imagine going out to the front porch? What if I picked up that package and the, re, and the sender, I looked at it and it was somebody that I knew I had been terrible to, that, that I had blasphemed, that I had dissed, that I had been hostile to, and yet here they send me a gift. My first thought is going to be, why would they send me a gift after the way that I have treated them, here's the answer. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Why would God, who I was hostile to and in revolt against, why would he send me an indescribable gift? God so loved. I could put it this way. God so loved the world in revolt against him. He gave the gift, the indescribable gift. Romans 5, 8, God clearly shows and proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Everybody say indescribable. Amen. Can we thank the Lord? Can we just thank the Lord for a minute? Aren't you so glad he sent the gift? But here's another indescribable thing about the gift. The baby, the gift, was literally God. God the Son. No, Jesus wasn't just a good man that went around doing good things. He wasn't one of many religious rulers that were good, did good things, said good things. No, no. And Jesus was never created. He was never made. He didn't show up onto the stage of time when he was conceived in Mary's womb by the Holy Spirit. No. He was God. From everlasting to everlasting, Jesus was and is and always will be. God sent 
God the Son. <laughs> That's indescribable. He changed locations. Jesus changed locations from heaven to earth so we could change locations from hell to heaven. He changed locations. Amen? He changed locations. He gave up his privileges. He gave up the bliss, the glory. He gave up that place that he had with God in heaven. Never gave up his deity, but he gave up his privileges. He changed locations. He moved. I hate moving. I hate moving. I hate it. We're about to move. We're moving out to Burleson, and I I hate it. I, I love Burleson, but I hate moving. I hate the process of getting there. I hate the process of getting there. But no move I could ever make can even compare to the move Jesus made. Amen? Because I'm going to move a few miles, 30 miles from one location to another. He, he moved from heaven, from glory, all the way to earth, all the way to Bethlehem, all the way to a virgin's womb. And he moved from heaven to earth so that we could be delivered from hell to heaven. Jesus said, don't be troubled. Trust in God and trust in me. There are many rooms in my father's house. I would not tell you uh, this if it were not true. I'm going there to prepare. I'm going there to prepare. Now, he's telling his disciples this at the end of the book of John. He's about to be crucified. He's about to go back home from, from whence he came. So he says, I'm going there. I'm going back there to prepare a place for you. After I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. There's the promise of the second coming. There's the promise of the rapture. I will come back. For what? Why are you coming back? To take you with me so that you can be where I am. I'm coming back to take you. I'm coming back. I've already been once, and and nobody liked me while I was there. They, They persecuted me, ridiculed me, hung me on a cross, tortured me, killed me. I rose again. Who would want to come back? Well, I'm coming back for one reason. I'm coming back for you, my church. I'm coming back for my bride, and I'm going to take you. I'm going to take you from earth back to heaven. I'm going to take you so you can be where I am. That's what he said. Everybody say indescribable because only God can do that. Nobody else could do that, but God did that. God sent his only begotten, begotten, begotten from the Father, begotten Son. He was God the Son. Indescribable. One last indescribable thing, and I'm going to stop. About the gift of Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ, God the Son, died on an instrument of torture and shame to bear God's judgment in my place. Think with me a minute. You've done something terrible. You've done something that is going to bring you the death penalty. Before your trial, you have been told the prosecutor has has successfully worked out that it's a done deal. It's already done, finished, sealed. You're going to get the death penalty. And you walk in there and you sit down and it's only a matter of the process going down and the judge saying, I sentence you to death. And he says, I sentence you to death. And you knew that it was coming. You got a death sentence. And right then somebody walks in. And walks right up to the judge and nobody stops him. And he looks at the judge and he says, I will go for them. What do you mean you'll go for them? You mean you'll go to jail for them? Well, not just jail. I'll go to the death 
chamber for them. I'll take, I'll take, I'll take the lethal injection. I'll die for them. I'm going to go in their place. You can put me in their place. I want them sprung free. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. But why would you want to spring me free? I committed something worthy of death. Why would you do this? Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Amazing grace, indefinable, indescribable, unfathomable, incomprehensible. Grace that he walked up to the judge, God, and said, I'll go in their place. And the Bible says he tasted death for every man. And on the cross, he bore the wrath of God, took my sins upon himself, died in my place, tasted death for me, that whoever believes on him would not perish but have eternal life. Indescribable. Indescribable. (laughs) What an indescribable gift was on the front porch of humanity. He took it for you and me. So when you place your faith in him, and if you don't place your faith in him, you will answer for your sins. Bad place to be. But if you put your faith in him, your sins are washed away. An indescribable gift. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. Indescribable gift. You go from hell bound to heaven bound, from blind to sight, from death to life. Indescribable gift. Thanks be unto God for his indescribable gift. Stand with me, would you? Let me read something quickly. Jesus gave himself for our sins to free us from this world we live in, from this evil world we live in. Jesus gave himself for our sins to free us, to free us, to free us from this evil world we live in. He gave his life. Titus 2.14, he gave his life to free us. There's that phrase again, free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his very own people. Can I read them to you? Free us, cleanse us, make us. He, he, He gave his life on the cross to free us, to cleanse us, and to make us. And us encompasses every Old Testament person that put their faith in the promise that a Redeemer was going to come was included in the us. Us is a great big word. Two letters, U-S. But it's a great big word theologically because he came to free us. All the Old Testament saints that died in faith, the blood covered them when Jesus died. Everyone that believed on him when he was alive and walking on the earth are included in the us. And everyone that believed on him, including us, afterward for century after century is included in the us I'm an us you're an us and that means when he died on the cross he died not just for us collectively but me individually I'm an us and I'm a me I'm in the cross my sin the implication is my sin was part of what put him there your sin is part of what put him there Amen. So, I'm glad we're a part of us. 
I'm glad he died for all of us collectively, for me individually. I'm so glad that he died for us. You say, well, okay, it's a gift. How do I unwrap it? You need to unwrap it. Have you unwrapped the gift? Well, how do I unwrap it? Easy. Whoever believes on him. As soon as you say, I believe on you, Jesus, the gift is unwrapped. Salvation becomes yours and all the blessings that go with it. That's how you unwrap it. What a shame to leave it on the front porch until the day you die. Amen. How many of you are glad you went out, picked it up, and unwrapped it? Amen. Amen. So let's lift our hands to the Lord and thank Him for the indescribable gift. Indescribable. Jesus, we thank You that You willingly came. God's plan unfolded and You came. And You forgave us and You blessed us. And Lord, we just right now lift our hands and return thanksgiving for all that You did for us, Lord. We praise You and thank You and bless You. Jesus' mighty name.